0: To the First Step podcast with your host, Jaleesa Jun. A new episode starts right now. If you ever needed proof why you should never give up, this is it. In this episode, you'll hear from my friend and client, Shen Coffee Young, about her inspiring journey to publishing her first book. This is a story about dedication and commitment in the pursuit of one's dreams. Shan is full of energy and her passion for creating a greener planet radiates from every word. She is releasing a series of books and I chatted with her all about it and I'm super excited for all of you to hear it. But first, I'd like to ask you to please consider taking a minute to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts your reviews are the only way I'll know if you're listening and what you're interested in hearing. So, if you're listening to this on an Apple device, please leave a review or a 5-star rating. And for those of you listening on other devices, show your support for this podcast by taking a screenshot, tagging me on Instagram at Company, so I can repost you. And now, without further ado, here is episode number 34 14 years later, she's finally launching her first book. This is my interview with Shan Coffee Young. Hi, Shan. Welcome to the First Step Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today. Now, for those listening who don't know who you are, can you please tell us a bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Thank you so much, Jalisa, for inviting me to be. I was so excited. at a little happy dance to be on your podcast. Uh, so those of you who don't know me, my name is Shan Cuffey-Young. It's spelled with an I and pronounced with an H. People normally always get it wrong. But that's okay. And I am the founder and CEO of a for profit social enterprise based in Trinidad and Tobago called SIEL Environmental Services Limited. At SIEL, we provide school based waste education. We also do online and offline waste training programs and offer project consultancy for different projects in waste everything is centered around waste. So essentially what I say is that we transform the way you think and act towards waste. So if we could put it in a sentence, what we do, that's what I'll say.
0: That's fantastic. Now, I know most kids don't grow up and say, oh, when I grow up, I I wanna be uh, someone in waste management or something to do with the environment, right? So how did you actually get into this career?
1: Well, to be honest, I was one of those children too, you know. I had no idea that I would be doing what I'm doing now. Granted, I had several iterations of what I wanted to do, like, you know, most young people. Uh, but one of the things that remained constant for me growing up is that my father uh, was involved. He still is uh, involved in Cub Scouting. And of course, I do have a younger brother, but although I'm the girl, I was still all up in everything with the boys. And he taught us the conservation law, which is you always leave a place cleaner than you've met it. So although I've wanted to be the doctor, uh, flight attendant, a teacher, which actually funny enough, I still am, but just in a different way. Um, that was always the constant. So um, I also wanted to be a scientist. I did physics. So I am technically speaking an environmental scientist, but I was I started off being a physicist. And um, but that was always the concern, no matter what changed. No matter if I decided, no, I don't want to do this now. Let me change my mind and do something else. Um, that always remained the constant. So after I graduated from uh, university, I taught science for a year. And then I was like, okay, so what am I going to do now? And uh, so I decided, well, at that time, I actually got a partial scholarship to go to the University of Leeds in the U.K., to study structural geology with geophysics. Yeah, big name, right? And, um, but I still had to raise $250,000. Granted, I did not get to raise the money. So now I'm faced with a decision. What am I going to do next? And um, so I finished my first degree and I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? And then sometimes it also pays when somebody knows somebody. So my mother, <laughs> God bless her heart, eh? I didn't like it at the time, but she knew the then um CEO of Swim Call, and she said her daughter just graduated and she is looking for something. So he was like, well, he's trying to help out the youth in the neighborhood to so bring her, not realizing the kind of person that I am. So I started there and that is where I found my love of waste management because I was working for uh, the Trinidad and Tobago Solid Waste Management Company. That's where I found my love of waste education. So I always enjoyed teaching. So I married that with teaching children about waste. And that's where it all started, you know. Um, it was not a straight path by any means. I dipped, curved, jumped over mountains, you know, made about turns, uh, sat quietly, and tr- all trying to decide what I wanted to do. And that's where I ended up. So here I am today.
0: And is there anything that happened in your childhood that made you more conscious, more than the rest of us, with regards to the environment and waste and how we dispose of our waste?
1: Oh, gosh. Hmm, Yeah, (laughs) the experience of a lifetime, I would say. Uh, When I was 10 years old, uh, my dad used to take my brother and I swimming in Chagaramas, which is a beach on the western part of Trinidad and Tobago, western part of the island. And um, we'd play this game where we would swim through my father's legs. Granted, my dad is like six foot two. As a child, you know, he's like this giant. (laughs) So my brother and I defies this game, swim through daddy's legs. Um, My turn I did not open my eyes while I swam. I had this huge fear of opening my eyes underwater, So I didn't know where I was going. I just knew, okay, I calculated. The scientists and me now, okay, daddy's like five strokes away. And then when I reach five strokes, then I'll touch daddy's legs and I'll swim through. Did all of that, swam through and something hit me in my face when I was coming out of the water. And when I opened my eyes, it was a loaded pamper. Yes, soggy, wet and full. So... Uh, that changed my entire life experiences. I would say, one, I told Daddy never take us back there. He never did. So my ten year old self was eternally grateful. And two, I was just like, why are people so nasty? Because I grew up always picking up not only after myself but other people. So I couldn't fathom how that how people will just drop things on the ground just leave their pampers there I mean I I just couldn't understand it so I knew then that I wanted to do something different I didn't know that it would end up being what it is today but I always knew innately that I wanted to change and I wanted to make a difference and I wanted to help people change so that was the experience I think that's transformative you know it really it really shaped who I am yeah I
0: bet. that's disgusting it's like you're calling literally you <laughs> in the <face. laughs> and you know how they say you get hit by a ton of bricks it's like you got hit by a loaded diaper and by loaded we mean it had like it was a dirty diaper yeah <laughs> it was a dirty diaper but when you go to schools and you are there with children how do you relay the importance of throwing your waste in the bin where it needs to go like how do you relay this message to them to help them become more conscious about the things that they do
1: well i always love using real examples so um i meet them where they are because i do understand that they are children so i'm not going to you know baffle them with with a set of of words that they may not understand but i also know that they are very well informed Um, They are growing up with, you know, YouTube, Google, all of these things. So they can, they have information at their fingertips. So oftentimes I am pleasantly surprised by how much they really know. Um, And I always say the children know what to do is that the adults in their lives who tell them differently. So for me, it is just having conversation with them you know, using, okay, let's look at what do we like to eat? We like snacks, miss. Okay, so what are you supposed to do with the snacks? Put it in the bin. So if your friend doesn't put it in the bin, what is what is what are they supposed to do? Well, miss, I will tell them and then they give me the whole explanation. So I see myself as a guide to their own curiosity, a guide to their own uh, way of finding information because I know that they know so it's just really to, you know, to steer them in the right direction. If they call things by the wrong name, I said, no, 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 that's not what it's called. You know, it's a landfill, not a dump kind of thing. So I just explain to them. And of course, I love making jokes. So make a ton of jokes. We also play games. So that kinds of cement in their minds what I just taught them, what they so they know, OK, moving forward. We always throw our garbage in a bin. We have these items that we can recycle. So we need to make sure that we put them in the recycle bins in school because now our schools have um, bins for to, for, collection of, um, for the collection of recyclables. So it's really just a reiteration of what they already know, but in a fun, relaxed, engaging sort of format. Let them, I let them ask me more than I tell them.
0: And do you think that perhaps because children are so malleable and easily influenced, that it's easier to talk to them about behavior change with regards to waste management than say adults?
1: Oh, most definitely. Children are, as you said, very malleable. They they take in the information. They realize um, because I talk to children from the the early childhood or kindergarten level, all the way up to university graduates, right? And they, I mean, at that by the time they reach, they would the my UE grads will kill me if I call them children, but they're young adults. So um, you know, I realize that they're very receptive. They realize because, as I've said, they know it's just the adults who tell them differently. So. Here I come to them now, just concretizing their own little minds. You know, I always knew that. but And they are just open to taking in the information and not just taking in, to the, taking in the information, but willing to make the desired change. Oftentimes, well, thank God, I've had the wonderful opportunity of speaking to adults who are not so hard-headed because most of most a lot of adults, I'm gonna say most, right? A lot of adults tend to be very hard-headed. Oh gosh, what you want me to do that for? Why now? I good doing what I doing, you know. I've been doing it for however long at working. so yeah. But when they realize that, okay, they're being impacted by things that are influenced by waste. So flooding or you know, they see the neighbor dumping because we have cases like that in Trinidad where people just offload garbage into a drain or a river or off the side of a hill or whatever. People themselves are saying, boy, what, what you doing that for, boy? You don't realize here flooding and so on and so on. So we now are using what is is technically called social norms to engage people to do the right action. And that's for adults. But the children naturally have... It's, it's almost like I see the light bulb go off in their little minds and they're like, okay, this makes sense. Now I know. Okay, cool. Mishan said that I'm not supposed to litter. So, oh my God, is supposed to go in a bin then. Okay. So, and they will never after that do it. And then their little friends will make sure that they don't. So for me, the children are more malleable. I always say children are powerful agents of change. And they also, what the children also do is push the adults to make better decisions. So my daughter, who um, really has a wonderful relationship with the environment, always reminds her little brother, you're it in the wrong bin. That's not for recycling. So she is, I call her the recycling guru of our household. So she is the push for everybody and reminds everybody, you know, okay, don't forget, where they're supposed to go. Mommy said the apple core is supposed to go in the compost. Okay. That is not the compost. So in our own little way with all the actions and so on and hand on hips and so on, um, to really push us to do better. So the adults, my husband tends to say, sometimes you can't bend a 60 plus year old tree You know, but I realized in having conversations with my own father, who who has made his three scores and 10 and then some, that he's still very open, but that's because of how he grew up, how he was trained, his experiences. He's still very open to learning and to doing something differently and finding an easier way or a better way. And some adults are not like that. So, though I also do engage with adults, um, You know, I find that the children are very, very open and more willing to not just take the information, but do the right action.
0: Ah, I love that. And I can relate with so many things you said. For example, recently, I was teaching my son, he's five years old now, how to wash his hands. And I told him, if you stand by the sink and you wash your hands and you sing the happy birthday song, I think it is, two times, then that would have been enough time for you to get the germs out. So one time I was washing my hands and he came into the bathroom and he's like, mommy, you need to sing the happy birthday song because you're not washing your hands long enough. And I'm saying this because sometimes as adults, we're stuck in our ways. And some of us, we just don't know better. And even if we do, like we do know, we forget. And I feel like the children, they don't forget and they're always there to... Buck you up, you know, like how your daughter, she is this agent of change within your household. She is this trash guru. She's making sure that everyone is putting the trash in the right place, right? And because I want those listening to get the most value out of this podcast, I want to ask you a couple of questions regarding trash. Because recently, in my neighborhood, they started this initiative where every Wednesday, they pick up plastic bottles and those, it's not a track pack, It's the Tetra pack, is that the Yes, name? it's
1: called a Tetra pack, your juice and milk boxes.
0: Right, so they pick up plastic bottles, the Tetra pack and paper waste on a Wednesday. So if you put out anything else besides those things, they're not going to pick it up because they're recycling on a Wednesday. So I know in other areas of the country, they may not have these initiatives. So for those listening, I'm going to give you like uh, a couple examples of waste. And I want you to tell us, Shan, where is the best place for us to dispose of these things? So one, let's just say you cut a a tree down in your backyard Mm -hmm. or you cut the grass. Where is the best place to dispose of that? Because usually most people set it on fire and we know that's dangerous for the environment. But talk to us about
1: that. Okay. So I am a huge advocate for one of my favorite waste activities, which is composting. Now, so composting, I always say, is the happy marriage between what is in your kitchen The waste that comes from your kitchen, your cucumber skins, potato peels, all of that. And what is in your yard? So your grass, your tree cuttings, branches, um, dry leaves, and so on. So the marriage of those two things together is what makes compost compost. Naturally, organic waste decomposes by themselves. um, But when you put the two things together, you make this nutrient-rich soil amendment called compost, where you don't even need artificial fertilizer. So people may be saying, Bashan, I have real trees and real grass. So what I would say to you is that let's see if we can start a community initiative where everybody benefits. So everybody now in the community, and that's for those of us who have space, everybody in the community um, sets up like a little composting area. It does not have to be very, very large. You could start off small and then we so we all have to one learn the process of composting so we know what to do we're not you're not just going to throw things arbitrarily into this space problem problems galore if you do that right so you have the ability to um to start a community composting initiative i actually teach the process of composting so guys can um continue to follow me and stay tuned and i know we'll do that a little bit later in terms of where people can find me um, so you keep up to date with when my next classes are going to be. I think that is the best skill that you can learn in terms of managing your waste. The majority of our waste in Trinidad and Tobago, and by extension, the Caribbean, is organic. And what happens is that, okay, the, the, the grass truck comes, as we call it here, and just goes to the landfill and empties it. And then it just stays there, it breaks down, it releases methane gas, which is a greenhouse gas. It's even more toxic than carbon dioxide, right? And that just enters into our atmosphere. And then we don't realize that that has a triple effect because now we've been saying to ourselves, "Oh, call it real hot boy. And you want to know how come all of a sudden we're experiencing these extremely high temperatures um, hello, thank you to Greenhouse Gas Emissions, right? So we have to start adopting some of these practices. Um, I encourage people to start it at home. There are those of you I know who may be listening who don't have a yard, Chan, I don't have a yard, you know. What am I going to do? The beautiful thing about composting is that it can happen anywhere. So you, those same storage bins that you use for toys or you buy and you put things in, I have like, I can't tell you how many storage bins in my home. You can actually compost in those too, right? And there are, some, there are also some composting systems that are on the market now um, that people can go ahead and purchase as well. So for anything organic, that is always my first go-to thing. I know if you have extremely large pieces, unfortunately, um, it may end up going to the landfill I already know to Lisa that there are some things that I simply cannot control. But what I can is, what I can control is to teach you guys about other things that exist and things that you can do. So that's what I will say to that question.
0: Wow. So question coming out of that. If you just leave your grass or trees that you've cut down, if you just leave them there on the floor in your backyard, are you saying that this methane gas is going to be released?
1: Really- yes, because it happens naturally with decomposition. So once organic waste is left alone, anything that comes from the earth will return to the earth, okay? So people will tell you, and some of the older folks will say, or the mature folks will say, no, I used to do that all the time. I used to throw it under the fig tree or throw it under the banana tree. It will decompose by itself. That is what happens. Methane gases are colorless, odorless gas, You're not going to see it. But therefore, if all of us doing it, we are eventually all going to feel the cumulative effect of what is happening. So that's why I say learn to compost, right? In the areas where you have very, because we have very old, beautiful, I love trees. I can. Trees are the lungs of the earth, as I like to say, right? And we have really old, big, beautiful trees. They unfortunately have to be cut down. But this is where my... Advocacy comes in and, you know, for the powers that be for the bigger decision makers to start larger composting initiatives. So all those tree trunks and all of that grass and, you know, in those extremely large quantities don't just sit there because we are becoming our own worst enemy. The Caribbean, though we only contribute a small percentage when we're talking about on a global scale to greenhouse gas emissions, We feel the effects the most because the Caribbean sees warm, beautiful water. And what do hurricanes and tropical storms like? Warm, beautiful water. So we are going to be, so we are now going to continue to feel the effects of what, you know, our northern and, you know, counterparts in other parts of the world do. So that's why, you know, on a global scale, they are saying you know, we all have to come together to make a difference. It's not just the Caribbean making a difference, not just North America. It's not just Europe. It's not just Asia. We all have to come together because there's only one planet. You know, we always say there's no planet B, you know, so we all have to do our part. And I just simply like breaking down. Okay, what can I do as an individual? And that is one of the things that you can do is learn how to compost.
0: Wow. What a powerful message. And I think you've painted the picture perfectly as to why partnership is necessary to overcome what's happening globally with the environment. Now, you said that you teach composting, right? Um, I have a question though, again. (laughs) So regarding the methane gas, when we learn to compost from you, is it that the gas will now be minimized or would it not be released at all by Um,
1: both so it's going to become extremely minimal to zero because of the combination of what um it is becoming because you're taking what you see as tangible tree trunks branches grass you know cucumber skin mango seed and it's becoming literally if i could have showed you a picture right now i would it's becoming soil soil doesn't release methane gas right so it looks literally like soil because that is that is what it is however it is filled with all of the nutrients that your plant needs and what it also does is that it conditions the soil so that if you live in a place like where i live the soil type tends to be a bit on the clay side so we're going back to biology from secondary school right So soil is made up of two main things. You have pore spaces and you have particles, right? And what the compost will do is when you add that to soil that is sandy, which means larger particles, big pore spaces, or clay soil, which is very small particles, very small pore spaces, it kind of balances, you know, the, the 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 sizes of the particles and the pore spaces. So it makes water retention. So that's the ability of your plant to take the water that it needs much, much better. So it's good for your plants. And we know when we eat healthy food, we have healthy bodies, right? Um, Because a lot of the farmers or the, you know, where we buy from, we don't know if they're using chemicals to grow their food. And that's where we start getting all of these issues. It may not happen in the short term, but definitely in the long term. So, what it becomes is not what it originally was. So you might think, okay, well, shouldn't I see it was grass though? But it's not becoming grass at the end. It looks like dirt, it looks like soil. So, and soil doesn't release methane gas. And we need to ensure that our soils are healthy to grow healthy plants so that when we eat it, we have healthier bodies. So I hope that kind of explains what it becomes, because some people sometimes, and I'm glad that you asked that question, that people think, well, if it's grass, and well, won't it look like grass? It actually doesn't. It looks like dirt, right? So, and has no smell. I mean, I literally took my own compost and put it right up to my nose, and there was absolutely no smell. People probably think she has to be crazy, <laughs> but, you know, all that, and, and it's not smelling. Compost, when done right, has absolutely no smell. Sometimes it it kind of smells sort of sweetish, a bit not not candy sweet, but you know a pleasant smell, a pleasant odor, you know, or none at all. So hope that answers that question.
0: Yes, it definitely does. And thank you for all of that information, and thank you for all of the work you do to educate consumers and everyone on things like this right talk to us about some of your recent accomplishments with SAIL and the work you've been able to accomplish
1: um okay so the very i will talk about the most recent one first um i have really had the honor and the uh privilege to be recognized internationally um We have been establishing some wonderful relationships with some great international organizations who continue to push the work that we do at SAIL. One of the things too is that uh, my latest baby, I have three children, so this is my fourth, (laughs) is my book, my children's book. It is 14 years in the making um I have that was when the seed was first planting pun intended um so for me it is I wrote a children's book all the way back in 2006 yeah and um at that time I was working for swim call but, you know, the book never saw the light of day. And I always promised myself, look, I really believe in this because for me, I was giving a lot of lectures at the time. And I hated just going once and then not returning to the school for months. And I'm like, I want these children to have something that the lessons continue even after I've gone. So that was the premise of telling my then boss who encouraged me to write the book. It was more of a uh, activity book, kind of to do it, right? But still with little lessons for each activity. And um, did it, my boss was really proud of me, Sent it up the ladder, didn't see the light of day. So here I am now, 14 years later, um, anti-corona or no anti-corona, as I call her, um, I wanted to get this book done. So this book is book one of a four part book series all about teaching children about what they should be doing with their waste, And one of the bigger picture things for me is that one, I wanted my daughter to see a representation of herself in the stories that she read in the videos that she watches. So bling, bling, there's another thing coming soon Um, because she often asks me, questions about hair and her skin color. And, you know, so I, as a dark-skinned woman of African descent, have to continue to have that conversation with her. So when I showed her what the main character in the book looked like, she's like, mommy, that's me. And, you know, tears came to my eyes because she saw herself and that was very, very important. And I want other Caribbean little girls like her to see themselves in stories. I wanted to capture her relationship with the environment because remember I said that she's the recycling guru in the house, right? So questions that she's asked, responses that she's given, all of that is captured in this story series. Um, And I really wanted to demystify and really break the taboo-ness, for lack of a better word, where waste is concerned. People think waste is this icky thing. I don't need to touch it. It just needs to go in the garbage. And that is all. So I wanted to break those stigmas to show people that, hey, waste does have value. You know, we can do better things with it. And these are the things that we should be doing. So I started this series. It will be launched next week. Woohoo! And, um... So I have been taking pre-orders. So guys, if you want to pre-order the book, it is amazing. I actually gave a sneak peek last week, Sunday. So I read a little bit of the story. Um, So it's like, uh, they're selling us live on Instagram. I was telling people, guys, are you excited? It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So um, it is going to be released officially next week, Thursday, the 17th. um, And I am taking orders. So that is like... To me, every other accomplishment that I would have achieved for this year have been on featured on several uh, podcasts, including this one, <laughs> and um, magazine articles, newspaper articles. Um, I'm a finalist for the Lawrence Placida Award for exporting my services. Um, I was voted best. Um, Businesswoman in Waste Education this year. I mean, there are a number of things that have happened this year that were truly amazing, even in the midst of COVID. But this book is like the penultimate, the best, the biggest goal for me. Because I set this goal at the beginning of 2020. And I said, this year, my book is coming out. Here comes anti-corona. And I told my husband, I said, no matter what, it is going to happen. Even if I release it on December 31st, it is going to happen. So I am super, super proud of it, of the book, of what it looks like. My children were my focus group. <laughs> so I would sit and show them the characters. You all like this? What do you all think? No, mommy, make him a different color. But one of the other big things, um, Jalisa, with this book is that I realise as I said before, that the children have the information. So to me, I want to awaken the eco hero within the child because they know what they're supposed to do. You know, they have all of the information. So I don't want somebody to come from a faraway land and tell them what they should do. No, 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 no. You have the power within yourself to make the difference. So, This book series is all about doing that. I actually also have an activity for them to draw what their superhero would look like. My children did it. My daughter's hero has purple hair. She wears pink. She has on a pink mask with pink boots. Her cape is green and red. Her top is green. Her skirt is red. Her belt is yellow. I mean, my son has orange hair. (laughs) It is truly When they drew them, I was like, okay. I said, tell me what your superpowers will be. My sons and mommy, I'm going to make sure that everybody always puts their garbage in a bin. And my daughter said, mommy, I'm going to make sure that people always use the right recycle bins. So to me, they have so much power, so much this innate sense of doing the right thing. So I just want to, for them to see that they can do it. That they have the power, that they can make the difference, that they can make the change. Because they are the future. They are reaping the benefits or lack thereof from what our generation is doing, both my parents' generation, my grandparents' generation did. You know, so that is the whole premise of doing this book. It is, as I said, it's my fourth child. I have cried. I have wanted to give up. I have all of those things along the way. I was like, this process is just too hard. It's too much work. It's too expensive. But at the end of the day, I said, you know what, Sean? This is a dream being fulfilled. Are you really ready to give up on your dream? And my answer was no. So no matter what the challenge was, what the obstacle was, I, if I cry, if I needed to cry, I cried. I said, okay, Shan, we are ready to go again. And we went again. So to me, this is like I can't stop talking about it because I'm just so excited. <laughs> the one of the best things ever, you know. It, <laughs> it I do and and the other things are equally as great, you know. But this to me, wow! I just can't believe that I'm here, even telling you that it's going to be launched next week. I'm trying to just enjoy little moments now. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> ah, I love it, and. Hearing you talk about it just fills me with so much joy because I can feel your excitement and your happiness and your pride and like how much went into this and how much it means to you. So I'm super excited and I can't wait to get my hands on a copy of that book. One thing I want to know though, you said it's for children. So what is the targeted age group you're looking at? So it is
1: targeted for seven to 10 year olds, but... Like your son and my son, they're both five, and my son thoroughly enjoys the book. So, as much all, it, but all it would mean is that mummies, daddies, aunties, uncles, just have to give them some additional support with the reading. Um, but the story is just for, I would say, the story is for as as young as five, which is first year in primary schools in Trinidad. But it's rarely targeted for 70, 7 to 10-year-olds because they would be able to read the story on their own. Uh, but yeah, well, when I read the story for my son, he's like, he is dancing. He's like, mommy, I love this. I was like, okay, good. I'm happy. So so your son will definitely enjoy it. has some things for little boys in there. Although the story focuses on a girl and her journey because that's, that's Kai. So the, the book series is called Kai's Magical Adventures. And this first book is Where the Garbage Goes. So you're following Kai on an exciting and magical adventure to discover what happens to her garbage after she throws it in the bin.
0: Perfect. So I'll definitely get him a copy of that in time for Christmas because it is launching next week. And for those listening who may also want to purchase a a copy... So I currently have
1: my uh, pre-order page that people can simply make their orders on orders can be made directly through me. So you could send me a direct message on my social media pages. You will tell me when it's a good time to tell people what those pages are or um, I can. Okay, great. Can. So on Kai's magical adventures on Instagram, it's all one word K Y S magical adventures with an S. Um, just send us a direct message and you can let us know how many you want to order. Um, and we, it will also be available as of when it's officially launched. We are putting it on Amazon. We are going to be putting it on some other book sellers like Barnes and Noble and so on. Um, and we're going to be distributing through some bookstores. However, right now they, f- they primarily, um, sorry, right now the primarily, the primary way, sorry, of getting the books is directly through contacting us on Amazon or on um, some of the other ebook sellers that we're using. We're still bringing on some bookstores onto the list of places where the book will be available. So if they keep following um, us on Kai's Magical Adventures and S-I-E-L-T-T, which is Siles page on Instagram, right? Um, and it's on Facebook as well but Kais only on Instagram. Um, we would be sharing more information as we add more people, we'll be sharing more and more places rather. We'll be sharing that information. So right now it's from us. And when it goes on Amazon next week, after the official launch um, on Amazon and on other ebook sellers. So wherever you are, in whatever part of the world you could, you could hear that are singing, right? You would be able to have access to either the ebook version or the paperback version of the book. Wonderful thing too, is that I'm also doing an audio version um, of the book as well, both using um, my mentor who is a voiceover artist based in the U S she voiced it, but I also have a very good friend of mine who um, is a, Trini who will also be voicing the book because I wanted us to, I wanted the children to also hear our accents a little more. Right. So, um, and then I want to do it in other accents too. So that's, that's a big goal of mine. So I have a friend who's Jamaican. So I'm going to ask her and I have another friend who's Bayesian. So I'm going to ask her, you know, so, um, it definitely is going to be spread like warm peanut butter, as I love to say. But yes, well, those are the main places for now. So guys, please stay tuned. We are going to be releasing them. This is my first Journey. I tell people, be gentle with me a little bit, cause I'm still learning a lot of what I'm doing as I go along. And people will say, Shani you can put your book here, and you can put your book there." And I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay. Just now, one at a time, one at a time. <laughs> this feels like a lot. So, um, we would eventually get to all of those places, but one step at a time. You know, just like you know, what this podcast is all about. You know. So, yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. All of that sounds so amazing and I wish you a world of success and blessings upon this new book and everything you have planned. Uh, Speaking of first Uh steps, my last question to you, Shan, is for those listening who might be interested in entering a field similar to yours or your industry, what is the first step? you would say they should take?
1: That is a loaded question. Wow. Uh, the first step. Hmm. I would say, okay, so let me give a tangible step and an intangible step, right? So the intangible step will be to make sure that you really are passionate about this kind of work. Because I'm telling you, if you are not, you will give up very, very quickly. This sector is not one of the easiest to be in. I have had, as much as I've had successes, I've also had challenges. I've also had things that don't work out. And my husband always says, you know, Shan, when you, when, when you do you know, all of these great things, your story is going to be so much better because you've overcome so many obstacles. But what kept me going is my reason, my why, my passion for this, so my intangible first step is to write it down exactly what you love doing, why is this work important to you, so you understand what you're getting into, yeah, and the so i I did give a bit of the tangible too, but you know to just be passionate, make sure you understand what you're doing. And then the next step is to learn more. I wasn't always going to be, entrepreneurship was not on my radar, right? I was very good with climbing the corporate ladder. I painted my ladder and everything. I made it very pretty, right? So I was really, really good with climbing. I got to middle management at my last job and I was good with, you know, one day I went people, when I got interviewed, they asked me, Sean, where do you see yourself in five years? And I always said, I wanted to be the CEO of my own company. Little did I know that I was speaking into my own existence of being the CEO of my own company. Yeah, so to me, you have to have the passion, but you also have to take practical steps every day. What are the things you need to go? So if you write down, okay, what is my goal? And break it down into monthly, weekly goals, daily and daily activities, right? So if your goal for the week is to send 10 emails, okay, that means every day I need to send two emails, you know? So you have to really break things down so you understand. Because for me, and I'm, I'm speaking this from my own experience, right? For me in the beginning, you know, I didn't quite, I don't think I quite understood, I didn't understand what social entrepreneurship was, I didn't understand. I just always felt like what I doing is different, you know, but I can't put my finger on how it is different until I was introduced to social entrepreneurship. So I did what the scientist in me does. I read, I researched, I made notes. I attended trainings. Um, I paid for coaching because Jalisa actually did help me out with some of my messaging as well. So if you haven't gotten at Jalisa yet, please do. Right. So she was able to help me navigate, you know, my story and um, some of the things that I still use up to this day, right? So you have to really understand, be passionate in the intangible sense, look inside yourself, because this may not necessarily, oh, and this is the last thing I would say, not because, and I learned this from a young man who wrote, who who left a job Um, And wrote an article, not because you've been doing something for a very long time, means that is what you should be doing for the rest of your life. There are many people who have, as I said, I was good with climbing the corporate ladder, but that is not what I've ended up doing and what I wouldn't be doing for the rest of my life. So you have to also be comfortable with letting go, letting God and figuring out what your own path is. Not because, okay, yeah, I studied so-and-so means I have to do that, no. You need to sit and think, what are you good at that you give the least effort? And that is where your gift lies. We all were given a gift at birth, so you just have to identify what that is. So, sorry to sound a little philosophical, but that is exactly what I did for myself you know this journey for me was I didn't have any examples my parents were not entrepreneurs my father is a retired teacher my mother is a retired social worker so all I knew was I love the environment and I love taking care of people and that's it
0: oh Shan thank you so much for those tips I think they were really great and also very inspiring now remind the people where they can find you on Instagram, website, social media. Right, guys. All that so good stuff.
1: I am on Facebook at Sile Environmental, or you can simply type in S I E L T T, and you can also find me at S I E L T T Sile T on Instagram as well. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, just look for Sean Cuffy Young. S I A N C U F F Y hyphen Young y-o-u-n-g um and silent environmental is also on linkedin we have well kai i gave kai her own page so kai's magical adventures has her own page on instagram and we also do have a youtube channel so if you guys i also put a lot of my videos and training sessions and stuff on um youtube so just type in, again, Style Environmental on YouTube and you'll find us there. Um, I have some really fun videos where I play the Trini Mother Earth. So if Mother Earth was Trinidadian, this is how she'll behave, right? And she loves to tell people how stink and dirty they are. So you guys can follow us on Facebook, again, Instagram, LinkedIn, and youtube i am on twitter you know jelisa but i'm not i don't keep up with it too much so if there are people who are on twitter just type in Silent environmental on twitter as well and you'll find us there too um but i said maybe next year i'll probably ramp up my twitter my tweeting a little bit because <laughs> a lot of my international um colleagues use twitter a lot so i'll try to make sure that I, I stay up to date with them too, right? So those are the places you can find me, guys. Thank you. And I say thank you so much for listening. And I want to leave you with this life lesson. It is it is not always about doing things better, but sometimes we simply need to do better things, yeah? and taking adv- And making sure that you do your part to protect the environment. Are better things
0: hey guys thank you so much for listening to this episode of the first step podcast now if you enjoyed it please consider leaving me a rating or review on apple podcasts and don't forget to screenshot this episode tag me on instagram at jalisa jen company because i would love to reshare your posts